Hey folks, Justin here with a quick word before we dive into this episode. This chat features myself and Joachim Broden of the Mighty Sabaton, and we discuss the new album, The War to End All Wars, touring, history, war, film, and everything in between. We were constrained by strict time limits, so this episode is a bit short, but quality over quantity, right? The new album will also be out next Friday, March the 4th, via Nuclear Blast, and you can pick that up at the Sabaton store or nuclearblast.com. So without further ado, here you go. from the sanctuary of the strange. Tonight's macabre myth is a fright-filled feature, one overflowing with monsters, madness, and magic. Okay, so I guess just to get us started here, so we have a platform to jump off and break the ice, take us back in time briefly. You know, you're a kid. What helped spark your creativity? Were you a big comic reader? Did you listen to a, I mean, obviously you probably listened to music. Were you into history? Oh, I don't know. I became a metalhead pretty early. I remember, well, I don't remember the events, but my mom remembers, you know, she was in the kitchen, I was in the living room and she heard me screaming. Ah! <laughs> and she thought, oh, my kid is dying. She ran, <laughs> ran straight into the living room and there I was freaking out in front of the TV and we don't remember if it was we're not gonna take it or I wanna rock but mm-hmm. one of those two Twisted Sister videos and my mom being open open-minded thought of well it kind of looked funny and looked like shit but damn that guy can sing <laughs> so she bought me Stay Hungry so when I was three or four years old I got my first heavy metal album thanks to my mom and I guess that's where I got started <laughs> Awesome, awesome. I like to ask all the musicians I talk to because there's usually some sort of hijinks attached with the story. Do you remember your first time ever playing live? Did your pants fall down? Was there any, <laughs> the microphone not work? Did anything uh, crazy happen to you? Playing live in general, I don't actually remember because I was playing a lot when I was younger because I started a ham on the church organ and I started really young. So I probably played at, you know, schools and, you know, church events and stuff like that. But I never, I remember the first first time I sang as a singer of Sabaton, that was a fucking horrendous experience. <laughs> I wanted to puke. I went to the toilet five yeah, times yeah, before going, you know, yeah. on stage and I hated every second of it. I'd say it worked out well for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> they told me, you know, I know you're the keyboarder, but you'll sing until we find a singer. 
crazy bastard. <laughs> Never went back to keyboards. Couldn't. They wouldn't let me. In 2005, they told me they found a keyboard. I'm like, that's my job. No, you're the singer. <laughs> so specifically with the, the War to End All Wars, it's releasing March 4th, which is next Friday, I believe. So the album opens highlighting Sarah Havo and the assassination of Franz Ferdinand. Obviously, that's a major factor, igniter into World War One. You guys tackled many heavy subjects before, but I guess what I'm saying is one could argue that the world has not been the same since that event. You know, World War One possibly never ended leading to World War Two and where we are now. So how do you guys say, all right, we have to touch on Sarajevo and this is how we're going to do it? Yeah, it felt like we missed it already on the Great War somehow. And as you said, yeah, the world would never look the same, especially considering during World War One or in the aftermath after World War One, there was no more German Empire, no Austro-Hungarian Empire, no more Ottoman Empire. So uh, we have those three pretty much breaking up, though. Yeah, a lot of stuff was affected by that. And how such a small event, you know, can trigger, or you, how such, you know, a one small assassination can trigger events that has consequences on such a global scale and far-reaching into the future as well. Now, right. also, ended the Russian Empire, I would say, to some extent. Still in the midst of the pandemic, sort of. Most of the world has been forced to stop. It's been strange for us all, but specifically, it's probably strange for a band like you guys who. <laughs> constantly on the move. How was that for you guys being forced to pretty much go to a standstill? It was weird, for sure. We're used to doing, I don't know, 150 to 130 concerts in 12 months when we were on touring duty. Maybe a bit less than a year when we are releasing an album, for sure. Well, luckily enough, it feels like, at this point at least, uh, most of that boring bullshit is behind us. So it feels like it's for real this time. But on the other hand, we felt like things are going to open up so we can get back on the road. We felt like that for a year and a half now. So <laughs> right. <laughs> One reason yeah, you just mentioned you guys wanted to revisit World War War and again, there was some stuff that you feel you kind of left out. There's just a lot of stuff to touch on that you heard from some fans. Is there anything? thing specifically that made it to the album that you heard from a fan that you can remember yeah uh, absolutely uh, i would say the song soldier of heaven is stuff we have uh, information and events that were sort of mailed to us not from a single one but from several let me think possibly i remember it's a whole yeah absolutely uh, valley of death the defense of Boyron, for sure. ah, that's Tied for my favorite song on the album. <laughs> All right. <laughs> What's the other one? Valley of Death and Race to the Sea. All right. Great song. So would you say, is it common that you guys get ideas from fans or is this sort of the first time that's happened? Oh, it's it's kind of common. I mean, not all of them, all, all songs of every album, but ever since, I guess, 2010, there's been, you know, between one to three. So, yeah, because uh, sometimes it's an email from fans. Sometimes it's somebody who gave us a book or right. sometimes it's hanging out after a concert or a festival we started talking to somebody and turns out they are into military history. Yeah, it's really obvious how every nation has its own history and mm -hmm. what sort of history is taught in that country. Many things that are common knowledge to Swedish people are totally unheard of for Brazilians, you know? Exactly. And uh, there are Brazilian kids who are nine years old who can lecture me about shit that's so cool <laughs> that I've never heard before, you know? We can all learn from each other, you know? Oh, yes. I've been a Sabaton fan for a long time. I've seen you guys no less than five or six times off the top of my oh. head. I live in South Carolina, so when you guys come through Atlanta or Charlotte, I remember the first time I saw you guys was with, you were with Amana Marth and Skeleton Witch. It was actually Chance's last tour with yeah, Skeleton Witch. Nine, was it? Eleven. Oh, uh, yeah, somewhere. Nine and ten, eleven. One yeah. of those years is kind of running together for me. I've seen a lot of shows, probably the same yeah. for you. Or was it 13? I think it was the Heroes Tour, so it might have been 2000. 14, then, yeah. 14 yeah, even. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. I've seen you guys in small clubs in the United States, and that's a big difference from you know maybe going to Vakken and seeing the entire stage show. <laughs> How do you guys view that as a band when maybe you go, oh, well, when you used to go to the United States and you were playing bars, you're obviously not doing that anymore, but did you guys enjoy that sort of personal setting? Yeah, I like it, but it, to a certain extent. I actually enjoy the mix, getting to do this huge, you know, stages, all the pyros, all the production and everything, but that is... No matter how fun that is, after a while, you lose the personal touch and the connection to the crowd. So then at some points, it's nicer to go smaller. And I don't mind smaller venues or shows, but there is a there is a limit on how small we, it can get while we're still enjoying ourselves. Not that we couldn't enjoy ourselves anyway, but we couldn't deliver a great show at a super tiny corner bar stage where nobody can move. And I don't think extreme circumstances and really, really small or bad equipment, you know, where the PA basically can't handle the room and you're not, it's not possible for you to do do your job and deliver a good show. At that point, yeah. Other than that, I mean, if it's a decent enough stage, we can fit us and we all at least have some room to move around. I don't really care if it's 800 or 80,000 people. You guys are constantly moving forward and innovating new things, it seems. And fans used to joke about, you know, I wish there was a Sabaton History Channel and now it's come to pass. When did you guys start seriously looking into the potential of launching that? Seriously, that was only, let's say, half a year before it launched, before we got serious with it. Or let's say nine months or something. Mm. But we, we had the dream. We, I remember me and Pat talking about that. That should be 2004 or five. Like, wow, but there's so much info here that we cannot put into the lyrics. There is so much in the lyrics that you can't understand without knowing it. It would be so awesome to be able to do a little documentary about these events so people would understand, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's been with us for a long time. But then at a certain point when we were, Pat was doing uh, an interview or a guest appearance on the Great War, you know, YouTube channel right it was host, hosted by indy obviously indy <laughs> turns out he's, he's an american from texas but he lives in sweden so, so we, we were a little bit surprised to that and then he was really into it so we started talking with him and his sort of production team and all of his channels that he's been a host of or how we could make this happen because that was the piece that was lacking we had the music we had the content we have stories around every song we can talk about funny stories memories from tour or whatever right. but we did not have the yeah no none of us could narrate the events properly none of us could write the script none right. of us are historians for real as a fan this is something i've always wanted to ask you there's obviously you have a metal ripper metal crew metal machine will we ever revisit the metal saga again <laughs> yes one one day i hope so but i we still have to come up with a great theme and topic for it because i don't want to just do it but we could take any theme it has to be equally equally good the theme and fun fun to listen to and fun to create as well obviously those kind of tracks aren't the most musically complex to string together but they're a lot of fun to string together yeah. with that fun I, at least i at least want an idea of what is this so we covered you know bands can could we do next you know and right. we'll have fun with the lyrics when i come up with one or some of some of us do then we'll do it again for sure <laughs> awesome awesome there's a lot of topics and regions covered in you guys as songs you can almost curate a set list to a region so depending on the location of the show do you guys ever 
approach a topic simply from a geographical perspective or is that just secondary both in a sense we would perform what is most popular in that country there are places i mean if we go to finland and we don't play the white death we're in trouble <laughs> yeah <laughs> we go to poland and we don't play wing the stars or 40 to 1 then yeah. we're dead you know right, right. <laughs> and we don't want to die so we do that <laughs> uh, but i mean we, we want the audience to have fun and we want to play as many people as possible's favorite songs. And we know it's not possible to do it for everyone. But we also like to throw in a curveball and do, ooh, shit, I didn't expect that. Maybe for some fans who's been with us for a longer time or hardcore fans who's sort of went through the whole catalog 50 times. Or simply people who've seen a shitload of Sabaton shows that they get to see a song that they thought, wow, I never thought I'd hear this one live. Cool. Right. I, I certainly have a few of those myself. Which ones? <laughs> Double 734. That was played on the on the Heroes Tour, though. Yeah, but maybe yes. only in Europe. Maybe only in Europe. But I could have been in Europe as well. Oh, man. I think I would remember that. <laughs> <laughs> to this point in your career, what would you say is the best advice you've received? Oh, well, they all go hand in hand, and I don't know exactly who said it and when. Well, I was sitting sort of drinking with uh, Bob Catley from Magnum and Tobias Summit from Edgar Asia, because we were on tour with Ed Guy and Dragon Force and in 2006, and Bob and Toby knew each other. So we were sitting there drinking in uh, Nottingham. And uh, I started asking them questions and sort of, yeah, I, I, it was good to, for me to learn that, you know, as a singer or also as a rather fresh musician, you always want to do that perfect show. You want to deliver always. And they both said, you know, like, yeah, stop. You're going to feel bad every night because reality is touring is a constant struggle against, yeah, you haven't slept because you came off the flight. You've been doing interviews for six hours straight your voice isn't working you've been hanging out with some fans and they gave you a cold or the flu you have to sort of start practicing don't stop singing when you get a cold learn how to sing when you even lost your voice uh, don't worry too much about oh no i cannot have coffee it's not good for my voice you have to live as well you know right so they sort of hammered <laughs> hammered home the point pretty early i'd say at least because we We've been going for a while, but I haven't hadn't toured that much. It was good to see also Toby living up to it. I mean, I've seen him coming with such a fever, he could barely speak, you know, and he's like, stay away from me, guys. I have a bad fucking flu. I don't want you to catch it. And he went out and uh, did the show. Yeah, of course, it wasn't his best show, but I can guarantee you that I think at least 40, 50% of the crowd didn't notice anything was over, you know. And as fans, they'll just appreciate you giving it a go more times than not, you know? Yeah. It's, I think it's more common than people realize that most musicians, without even telling the crowd, go on stage and get their, you know, deliver, uh, give it all. I mean, I've been on 42 degrees centigrade of fever, uh, popping pills and having salmonella, wondering if I'm going to shit my pants when I'm asking the crowd to jump with me. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> those, those are my proudest horse jumps. Maybe the front row smelled something, but no one else. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Obviously, uh, live shows are really important to you guys and fans of it and eat it up. When you drop a new album, how do you determine which tracks we're going to add to the live show or try out? Ooh, that's always tricky. It usually We usually get it mostly right by predicting, but we always have to tune it. So when we start a tour, the album is pretty fresh usually. So it's hard to write a set list because the... 
word isn't in yet which songs are good you haven't met enough people you haven't had people haven't had a chance to listen to it because when an album is released uh, let's say the singles always have more plays with any album there are some songs that in the beginning we, at least talking about those people who still listen to their albums and not only one track here or there but there are usually a song or two that you really like on an album at least for me in my experience you get tired of it pretty quick so let's say if a artist I like uh, releases an album there's gonna be a bunch of tracks I like a bunch of tracks I don't like at least one of the ones I really liked in the beginning I'm gonna get tired of real fast mm -hmm. and usually one or two of those tracks that I didn't really care too much about in the beginning if I keep on listening to the whole album they're growers and then they might be my favorite tracks of that album. if you don't mind me asking do you have give us some insight to what maybe you plan to add to set lists coming up just to start off with to start off with we're gonna be pretty safe because by the time we start the tour we're gonna do a Swedish uh, run here so we're gonna go mostly focused on the singles that people have had a chance to listen to a bit more then being a Swedish tour we're gonna focus a lot on the Swedish stuff from the Carolus Rex album because that's what people want and also Royal Guard in Swedish I'd say uh, and as the tour moves along I guess we're gonna meet some people we'll, we'll start to hear like okay that single maybe isn't so popular anymore we'll have to add another song or two from the album what is the best show you've seen as a fan wow best show ever well it's hard to compete with stuff you saw when you were young and you were easy to impress and probably a little bit too drunk even though you weren't of drinking age <laughs> <laughs> So there are a lot of a lot of those concerts, but in later years, I'd have to say uh, Pumpkins United was really fucking good when I watched it, like 2017 or 18, I can't remember. First or second run of the Halloween's. That was the something I thought was really, really good. But best ever, possibly, possibly our United Twisted Sister. Seen a lot of good accept shows as well. All, not all lineups, but a lot of them. Judas Priest, of course. Scorpions. Iron Maiden. Oh yeah, Iron Maiden. Of course. But I think if I have to go for one, it would be Heaven and Hell. Uh, well, Black Sabbath, but with Dio, 2007. That is uh, the second time someone said Heaven and Hell Dio. <laughs> <laughs> when you're off tour and you're not charging the crowd, what are some of your favorite films you like to watch? Oh, very spread out on that. I don't watch films that much as people would expect, but it could be pretty varied. Everything from, I mean, the obvious thing is people are still expecting me to put on a military helmet and watch for Saving Private Ryan, but no. <laughs> it is a great movie and people should see it, but it could be anything. I like to go back also in time. Let's say Lawrence of Arabia is a really cool movie. And I guess most people, and even including me, was fucking annoyed by the first half hour. It's too slow. Where's the <laughs> fucking progress? Nothing's happening. But then you sort of get used to the pace. And realize, wow, uh, there's a there is a no, a way of storytelling that can deliver so much more when you're not trying to progress and feed you know a massive amount of data at all times. Not that I mind that; I have no problem with it. But it could be that, or the good, the bad, the ugly, old classics like that oh, that yeah. can be really good to watch in between. Uh, all right, Joaquin, we're winding down here. So, what can fans expect from the war to end all wars? Uh, well, I don't know. Probably uh, the smart move here would be to say, hey, it's the greatest album, <laughs> you know, but I think that's actually, that's up to the listener. 
to decide. Mm-hmm. But uh, I'd say uh, one thing, and that this is also subjective, but also to some extent uh, objective. And that is, I think Yunus made the best sounding sound of an album we ever had. Mm. So at least that's that's a tall order. Well, my friend, our 25 minutes are up. I wanted to keep you moving and not keep you too long. I know you got a long day ahead of you. I appreciate that. All right, you have a great not, day. Not man. really day. It's uh, night. Yeah, sorry. Time four, zones. Four Time zones exist. I'm sorry. Yeah, no worries. <laughs> All right, bye bye. Thanks, man. Bye-bye. Take care. Thanks All for right. having me. Welcome to the night. You think you know Night Demon? Then the Night Demon Heavy Metal Podcast is for you. Step into the darkness as we peel back the curtain to give you an unprecedented, all-access look into the mind and the heart of the demon. We're talking band history, song analysis, studio anecdotes, stories from the road. It's everything a diehard Night Demon fan could want and more. This is the only place to learn the inside scoop, the deep dive trivia, the untold tales from the band members themselves and those closest to the Night Demon story. Need more? The sacred Night Demon crypt will be pried open to reveal demo recordings that have never before seen the light of day. All with in-depth commentary by the band and the people who were there for the writing and recording process. This is a gold mine, a treasure trove of all things Night Demon. Head over to nightdemon.net or wherever you listen to podcasts.